2: The gang's all here. Let's get into free agency for the 2023 Bengals.
1: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake. Let's go Joined today by your host, James Rapine, friends of the show, Joe Goodberry, at Joe Goodberry on Twitter, and Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. We're going to get into free agency today and the strengths, weaknesses of the class. It's going to be a two-part episode. We're going to reveal the tier list that is in progress for free agents. That's probably coming in part two, so make sure you come back For that episode, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, bringing you coverage of your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow anywhere you get your podcasts. You can be easy access into the first listen club because you'll get those notifications when we upload our content every day. And guys, free agent class is different this year than last year. The Bengals in a very different place than they were last year. We're going to start by talking about in general, how this year might be different. And we've heard from Bengals personnel staff talking about how this year could be different. They're going to be apparently trying to keep their own. They're dealing with Joe Burrow extensions, T. Higgins extensions, big cash outlays for those two players. And the expectations are kind of that when we're looking at external free agents, maybe don't shoot quite so high. That's what we've talked about so far. But... Any team that's gone to the Super Bowl lately has had free agent additions that have been part of that run, as we've often observed. So, all those things in mind, what are initial thoughts? Let's start there. And James, we'll, we'll keep it with the original hosts here for a second. What are the initial thoughts about, you know, the Bengals' approach to free agency?
0: I I still hope they're aggressive, and that's my expectation. Now, that might not mean two signings or two agreed to terms with two guys within like 20 minutes like it was last year. I mean, how crazy was that with Alex Kappa and Ted Karras? I think it was a couple of hours, but it might not be that. But is it fair to expect a starting level offensive tackle in free agency? I think that's fair. Is it fair to expect them to retain a couple of the, the free agent they're free agents, they're current free agents that are probably going to hit the market and, and be available to sign with any team. I, I think that's fair as well, along with, of course, an extension for Joe Burrow, and then we'll see on T. Higgins. That's my expectation. W- what about you guys? Let's let's start with Joe, I guess. We'll, we'll go in, in alphabetical order. Jay's in front of S. So, Joe, w- what are your expectations going into this free agency class for the Bengals?
3: It's it's kind of an expectation and a hope that they stay aggressive. I feel like all the top teams will continue to be aggressive. They have the last few years. Free agency has really come from up, maybe even five years ago, where it was like, be weary of the top guys there. They're available for a reason to, hey, there's bargain guys out there, or there are, there's going to be free agents out there that can help your Super Bowl caliber roster right now. And I've kind of grown – Fond of the Tier 3 guys. The Bengals have lived there. I mean, other than DJ Reader, they've made a lot of these second-wave acquisitions in free agency. Maybe they don't happen on the first hour like the Alex Capo. He was a Tier 3 guy, but they targeted him, got him, and got an upgrade, even if you sign him early. Point is there. The Tier 3 guys, and we're going to talk about tiers as we get into that later episodes, I'm sure, Jake and James. But uh, the idea there is, can the value meet the production and the upgrade and the opportunity? And I think the opportunity is definitely there. They might be value players as it is, and there's a few upgrade positions that they should be targeting and trying to help this team out. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. And that's a point that I think it was Sam
2: Monson made recent guest on Locked On Bengals, and we talked about the draft a little bit last week. The Bengals last year, in particular, didn't wait for Wave Two to sign the Wave Two guys, and that has served them pretty well i mean they've waited till wave two obviously as well in recent years to get those wave two guys but those guys have hit and that's been a big reason that they've been good i mean chidobe abuzie technically is tier tier two wave two kind of guy he had huge upside as a young athletic corner but was coming off a down year in dallas von bell wasn't a huge market for him when he came to cincinnati hayden hurst another example where his market didn't materialize, and he signs a one-year approval deal with the Bengals. Mike, what, what would you like to add here as we head into this free agency period coming in a couple weeks?
4: Yeah, it feels like uh, you really have to find the starters that are wide open. It, I think we all just kind of take for granted that Von Bell or some type of safety is going to sign there. But if you're going into the season or the draft with Tyson Anderson as your second safety It's not great. You probably want to patch that hole with somebody in free agency, even if it's not even a tier three guy, if it's a tier four guy, just somebody that you feel confident going out there and taking snaps. Um, But to go with that, I I'm kind of with James a little bit where I kind of want to see him push the next year or two the window before the borough contract hits. And I know that's kind of tough with the cash that's getting allocated uh, to Joe Burrow here, but man, I just can't stop thinking about adding like a Javon Hargrave type to the defense, and I know that's very unrealistic. But even like a David Onyemata is that out of their price range because they're already paying all that to the defense? Just get an interior pass rusher because that's really what what was missing in that Super Bowl on defense, or in the Super Bowl, but no, uh, in the championship game on defense was to me the interior pass rusher because the second best pass rusher in that game was probably DJ Reader, and he's in those who probably shouldn't be taking those snaps
0: yeah i i and we haven't we haven't hit on defensive line a ton because of the the resources that they're putting towards that that group and how much they are paying them but i agree and i think that that's the part that's interesting because if they're good if they go with this second wave strategy von Bell's the perfect example of this when they signed him in 2020 he was not their number one number two target he was someone where the dust settled he didn't have a chair and they were like oh well come sit here in Cincinnati and I wonder who that's going to be. Obviously we continue to talk about offensive line, but is there a path where they find another interior pass rusher and someone that that's going to make Luana Rumo and Marion Hobby smile it wouldn't shock me one bit. I
2: wonder who that would be. Yeah. In this free agent class, like there are some guys and we'll we'll get to this when we get to the tiers where you look down at some of the the wave 2 defensive linemen. There are some guys there that can help you that you might be able to buy low on where, you know, maybe they're tier three, tier four guys, but you can add depth there. And and really where I would focus if it were me would probably be on the interior. And part of that is because, you know, you've got Joseph Osai, you've got Jeff Gunter coming back, you've got Cam Sample who showed something late in the year. So the edge depth I feel has has stepped up a little bit. You would still like to add, if you could, a dynamic player there, but I feel like the route for that is more through the draft than free agency for this team in particular uh, that that will like to draft for the future when they're in this position. But to Mike's point, you, you've you got a couple starters out there right now that you need to make sure you've got something for. And I think that right tackle is one that we've talked about a lot. And you're right, Mike, there's just this, this assumption about safety, but – they they need to find a veteran if it's von bell or someone else most likely for that role. Although I will say this about the Bengals of safety too is that they tend to surprise us with some of their personnel choices at safety. James, you have do a do you thought?
0: think he's do you think he's the most likely Joe free agent to return Von, von Bell?
3: Yes. I would say it's probably him with the next guy maybe being Hayden Hurst. And just because uh, if he doesn't get the contract out there, I think the matching and the pairing of the uh, player and team there was a a fine fit.
2: It's also apparently a good place for tight ends to be. CJ Uzama, Hayden Hurst the last couple of years, pretty solid production. Uzama went on to get a good deal. Hurst in position to potentially get a good deal. Although it is a fairly saturated tight end market this year, which I think hurts all those guys a little bit in free agency. And the draft is expected to be really strong exactly. in that position. Uh, let's let's continue this conversation with uh, a conversation about what we expect them to do. And then we'll get into some specifics, perhaps, about what they will do. We've talked a little bit about the overview. And, and maybe there's some conversation coming up about You know the strengths and weaknesses of the free agency class and those sorts of things as well, because that kind of fits hand in hand. So we'll continue the conversation here coming up next.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar and headed to the NFL Combine this week. I'm sure some of our listeners are as well. If you need a snack in the middle of the day, in the middle of your travel, well, Built Bar is perfect for you. And if you're like Mike Santagata, who I know is pushing weight in the gym daily, well, you can also... Get the number one protein bar on the planet. And you should. Why? Well, because it's covered in 100% chocolate, tastes great, and high protein, low sugar, low calories. It's perfect for Bengal Sands. It's perfect for uh, in-between meetings or if you're going to the Combine. So make sure you check it out right now, built.com. You can also check them out at Walmart or your local Sam's Club. So it's easier than ever to get Built Bars. I talk about them all the time. You know it, Built Bars, the number one protein bar on the planet
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Let's talk a little bit about this free agency class next, because I feel like understanding the class on the whole is important to understanding what the Bengals may or may not do, what we think they'll do, what we would do and obviously those things will be different but Joe as you look at this free agent class one of the observations I made pretty quick was the, the, the it doesn't seem to be as top heavy as recent years I feel like the number of tier one free agents really the last couple of years has been trending down and this year I think we have what three pure tier ones last year it was maybe five the year before that maybe it was eight I don't I don't recall 20. 21 but outside of that what what are your impressions about this free agency class where the strengths and weaknesses are and how they line up with the Bengals
3: yeah I think to your point there teams are trying to keep their stars and I think that aligns with how we look at the Bengals roster as well keep your stars try and fill in what you can around there with value free agents uh, when I look at the class and the strength and maybe that you know it, You want to see a strong class, not only because it means more options for everyone, but also because it should hurt the value, hopefully, of those guys. No offense to them. Get get as much money as you can. But I'd like to save a million or two on on each one of these players and and add a final piece at the end of free agency. But I I think tight end is pretty strong. I think the offensive tackle class, while there's not a Tier 1 guy, we don't even have a Tier 2 guy, really, truly. I mean, Orlando Brown is maybe on a fringe of that. But it's a bunch of Tier 3 guys that can come in and start for you. Alex Kappa level tackles, you know, I keep referencing him because we were happy with Alex Kappa. You get a guy that's, you know, in the second half of his twenties where the progression of an offensive lineman seems to hit their stride. And those second contracts can be really good at tackle and guard. And I think that's maybe a spot the Bengals want to dip into or could, and it have plenty of options, but I also think safety and then a bunch of, you mentioned it, and I'm, I'm glad you did in the last segment, but there's a bunch of Tier 3 and Tier 4, maybe even Tier 5 one-year guys uh, on the defensive line at edge and interior where I think mm-hmm. you can fill it in. Uh, I think there's a lot of value-free agents in this class. And it, it's easy to say now because we still have two weeks and guys are going to resign or get tagged and more re-signing here to kill our value guys. But uh, I do think there, if it continues the way it currently is, I do think there will be a lot of options.
0: And th- this is where they need to feast now is th- they're a destination for the first time in any of our lives to be honest and so they have to feast on that middle to end class everyone talks about how they have to draft well absolutely but their free agent success put them in this position and so hopefully they could continue to have that have that with some of these back-end guys
2: they also uh joe just just to point out and we'll get here when we talk about some of the uh, some of the players Jawan Taylor, Mike McGlinchey, solidly in that high tier two, like not quite tier two, but between two and three, the way it shakes out for tackles and some interesting names there. Mike, when you look at this class and thinking about the Bengals approach, what are some of the areas where you think you could see this team going and attacking in that wave two part of the free agent class in particular?
4: Yeah, I feel like the first one is you guys can mention offensive tackles, and I don't think they're up in that Jawan Taylor, Mike McGlinchey range. But I would be surprised if they don't find somebody who's at least like a swing tackle level, a tier two, maybe the the Jermaine Illuminors. But there's more than that. I know that becomes a hot name. He's got the – yeah, he looks good. He's got PFF scores. He's uh, kind of the perfect guy. But, you know, there's other guys too. There's (laughs) – whoever out there, Billy Turner types, that you feel okay if they're out there, if they have to be. I think it also might tell you what they might do in the draft if they're going for somebody who's higher up on that versus if they're going for somebody that you're like, oh, is he going to start the whole year type? But what they, I'm sure they saw is that their depth eventually, and this would happen to most teams who lose three offensive linemen in a playoff run, their depth eventually got them. And that's what happened in the AFC Championship game, even though it looked good against the Bills. So I I would be surprised if they don't grab somebody at offensive tackle interior. I don't know. I don't think they'd go for anybody, even though there's some fun names to think about being added here. But yeah, when I'm looking at the offensive line specifically, I think that they're going to add somebody at, that can play right tackle just because you don't know about law Collins future and know you can save money. If you cut him eventually when he's, healthy enough to be cut. So it looks like that might be something that they would do. I'd also be surprised if they don't grab at least starting caliber safety and a tight end as well. Just somebody that can take snaps, especially tight end, because even if you draft Michael Mayer at 28, tight ends take a minute to develop. It's not usually a plug-and-play position, even if he seems pro-ready. So having somebody there that can take those snaps while he develops and you can get him some opportune looks would be ideal. I think really the key is that the Bengals need to make sure that they play their playoff games
2: on poor surfaces, snow or the Super Bowl surface, and then the offensive line is fine.
4: doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) They also didn't play Chris Jones. That Bill's defensive line was uh, not the same caliber. Yeah, there's a difference there.
0: No Von Miller is is a big difference, right? Um, As far as right tackle, I think what they do in free agency will tell us about Lyle Collins. If they sign some swing guy that can play – multiple spots but doesn't cost a lot, then well might be back next year and they might go that route. But if they go get, let's say Illuminor, right? Let's say he gets a little more than projected and could. But the NFL might be lower on him than everybody else, like you said, Sans. So it that part will be interesting to see. If if they go that route and they spend a little bit more, then maybe that's it, you know, for, for Lell and Cincinnati. I will say of all the free agents, I would almost guarantee they sign a veteran tight end, whether it's Hurst, or someone. I agree with you. I think they definitely do.
2: Let's talk about some of the Bengals' own guys real quick here. We talked a little bit about Von Bell, Hayden Hurst earlier.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We, we spent some time, obviously, James and I, talking about some of these guys. Who do you want the Bengals to bring back? Like, As you look at the Bengals' guys that are free agents, Jermaine Pratt is a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a difficult one. Assume Jesse Bates is gone. Obviously, I think that if if we had a choice, we might try or have done things differently with Jesse Bates, right? But assuming he's gone, Joe, how, is there a guy that, you know, is under the radar that you would like to see the Bengals bring back or is it really, you know, those top guys? And, and if it is, then where do you come down on the Jermaine Pratt idea?
3: Pratt's tough because it's a philosophical thing uh, because I think – It's hard to pay a linebacker too much, especially one that doesn't rush the passer. And it's a strong linebacker free agent class. We didn't mention that, but if they wanted to replace with a cheap Sione Taki Taki type, you could do that and spend a few million. But is Pratt going to get 12? Is he going to get 10 million? Is that too much? I think it could be too much if you're going to pay Logan Wilson as well, or at least attempt to. I think it could be too much if that's not how you want to build your team, you know, philosophically. When you go, when you approach your team, even I don't care if you're playing Madden or building a fantasy roster or whatever you're doing, you have to decide where you want to spend your resources and your most most valuable resources. Do you want to do that at linebacker? When I think Akeem Davis Gaither was a very good prospect and has done nothing to say he's not going to be a fine starting player in the NFL. I think it, as long as he can handle the increased role. I think he should be fine. And you shouldn't have much of a drop off there as much as I like Jermaine Pratt. Now, is there an underrated guy? Yeah, maybe it's like a Trey Flowers. Maybe it's a Simage P Pirine. But can you keep Pirine and Mixon at a veteran salary? That's tough. That's hard for me to swallow philosophically as well. Uh, so I don't know if there is an underrated guy that I have to have. In fact, even with Hurston Bell, I look at the free agent class, and if Juan Thornhill's there, I would be like, all right, I'll get younger, faster, and better in coverage. And I look at tight ends, too, and I'd say if Hayden Hurst is going to get $8 million, I'd rather throw three and a half, again, same type of contract at Irv Smith and then draft a guy because Agreed. I don't feel like it's if, – if you overpay at, for average, because well, like we said, the value when the Bengals sign these guys is they got good value in terms of mm-hmm. money. If you now overpay at those same spots or at those positions, including linebacker, what are you doing? You're taking parts of the pie away from the rest of the – potentially offensive line, defensive line, corners, whatever you value, you're now sacrificing something. Let's talk a little bit about Samaj
2: Piran, because I apparently think more highly of him than the rest of you guys do, marginally speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's, there's a little bit of a Joe Mixon conversation here too that we can have. And then let's talk about maybe what we expect the Bengals to do. I think we've talked about it a little bit. Um, But let's get into some some of those specifics to finish this part of the show coming up next.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft.
0: Let's uh, let's dive into it. It's not much different in the tier list. It's not much. I checked to make sure. That was. I was like, does he have Ryan as a three and a half or something? Uh,
2: I I did say it was marginally different. So yeah, it's very marginal. But to me. He I has mean, familiarity with the offense. He's a five, he's a, right? We're, we're in agreement yeah. here. He's guys, else is a Three of us
3: say yeah. five. Okay, just so yeah. the people here that aren't seeing the, yeah. the sheet. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. look
2: at the sheet. But you guys all think he's a five, fungible resource, totally replaceable running back. To me, there aren't very many running backs that pass protect at the level he did. And he's not as dynamic as Giovanni Bernard, who was really good at pass protection in that same role for the Bengals and, and add, added a little bit more dynamism to your offense. But – I really like Samaje Pirine's role in the offense. There's this pass-heavy offense, this drop-back offense. He was generally very reliable when he had to go back there and block. He was generally very reliable when they needed him to run the ball, when they needed him to catch the ball. And I, I recognize that some of that stuff is replaceable, but to me the thing that elevates him compared to some other running backs that will be like the two and a million, $2 million a year type running backs is that he passed protected at a high level. And was trustworthy in that role. So, Mike, I know that for you. Sorry, Joe, you have a comment. Why do here?
3: I just, want to say, like, all right, where's your line then? Uh, would you give him three and a half, four, four and a half million just for a, a two-year deal? Uh, you know, it, per year.
2: My my line's probably around three million.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, I reckon That's why it's still not a three or whatever, right? Like, you wouldn't want to spend that much money on him. Two and a half, three million.
0: Jake go signed Samaj J.P. Ryan to a three-year, $21
3: million deal. No, nope. That's the standard issue deal. For who? <laughs> Bobby weird. Hart's and, and Preston Browns and John Miller's <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? That was That's free agency true. if you're new
2: here. <laughs> that is true. Mike, I know that you have a premium in terms of pass protection at the running back position. That's something that you're looking at. We've talked about running backs in the draft quite a bit, and we'll talk about them on this show in the future as well. But I was surprised. To be honest, that his pass protection didn't get that half point bump from you. What what what's your thought there? Do you think that that is replaceable?
4: Uh, that's tough. It, it, the thing about it is, I would love, and maybe this is unrealistic, but I want my third down back, my good pass protector, to also be a, a good receiver. And so who do I think that of in the NFL right now? I don't know. Like looking at cheap ones, like Prime Latavius Murray could do that. Or Starting running backs do that. Yeah, right. some good starters <laughs> jamal williams does it <laughs> so there's a guy but uh-huh. what i think of i, I can't get out of my mind with the p Ryan thing is he's the pass catching back and then the most famous play in my mind is against the titans where he drops the ball and hits it upwards to the cornerback for a pick six to get him back in the game yep. that is just what goes into my mind with p Ryan as a third down back i know he's done such a good job with everything but i I don't know. Can't get that he out of my mind. Screen so, for the
3: touchdown versus he ran the screen, screen the wrong way. Title game? He just...
4: <laughs> hey, that was awesome. <laughs> what a play. To get the what, whole line to draw everybody the you. wrong way. Oh and he goes that way. Now, I don't know if it's that replaceable. And maybe it's idealism to think that I could find somebody that could do his job and add more in the pass in the receiving game. Cause I think there are a lot of people that look at backs that can pass protect like him as a hot commodity. Maybe the Bengals the past couple of years have just kind of, I I'm taking it for, for granted. I think like, yeah, you can find that guy because I haven't had to deal with watching mostly bad pass protection. They get mixing off the field on those downs. So I don't know. You are kind of convincing to move it up half a tier to the four and a half, just a little bit, because I do think it's harder to find that I'm letting on and the guys that typically do it. Well, are not prime. Uh, if you're looking for cheap, it is like, why is Latavius Murray still have a contract? And it's like, cause they trust him on third down. Why is Zeke on the field over Pollard all the time? Cause they trust him on third down pass protection stuff. And neither of those guys at this point in their career are good receivers or at least dynamic so that does stick in my mind as something but then i watched like roshan johnson out of texas and i'm like this is just p ryan that you can get in like the fifth round <laughs> at 22 years old because he already does a great job in pass protection he can lead block and all that other stuff but he's more explosive he is he's more explosive too that's what it's like if i'm if roshan johnson's like a fourth round draft grade then why is p ryan like why would we bring him back at a premium it, it, because it something similar, what, what did we just talk about with Joe
2: Mixon before we started recording and his past protection in college versus the NFL? It's
3: true. That's- Mike wasn't here for that. Was he?
2: Oh, okay. Joe, what was, what, what
3: did we talk about? Phil, fill, fill the people in. Yeah. I went back and looked at Mixon, uh, because he was a great running back prospect. Yeah, he was there in round two for obvious reasons, if you remember. But uh, his pass protection was good at Oklahoma. He was a great receiver at Oklahoma. And in fact, he was a good receiver this year. He just mm-hmm. They still don't trust him as a pass protector, and that's the, the big issue. I think some of the ranking with Pirine, and as, as I'm listening to your arguments and I'm agreeing, you're not wrong on any of those. It's just how we value it. I wonder if it's the conflict in me of you can't have both of those guys again. Mm-hmm. You can't just have Mixon and Piran and roll that out there again at any price.
0: That's that's the part that makes it hard. And I think it is. It almost feels like a a package deal. I'm fine. Heck, put Piran as a, a fourth, the fourth tier, if you want, and pay him three million for two years or three years. If you have a rookie contract for mm. for your other running back, not a. We have a superstar in Joe Mixon who doesn't play like a star anymore, and he just does. I know he had the five touchdown game, but he's just not that. Because if he was. You guys watch star running backs are on the field on third down and making those explosive plays and and are able to pass protect and doing all those things, which we could easily turn this into a uh, a star running back argument. And that's what this, this Bengals team could use, but it, it's not mixing. And so I'm fine with bringing back steady P Ryan, but not if you're paying him and paying Joe. Because you're probably at what $16 million, 17 million per year for those two guys, and that's that should be one of the best running back tandems in the league, and it won't be. So kind of let's
3: starting right tackle.
4: Yeah, and it's paying it's paying Piran to not be the starter, probably. Like he's probably not going to be the starter on first and second down, so you give him three, four million, and he's just your third down pass protection guy, really.
2: It'd be okay. curious to see what the contract would actually be. For P Ryan, if it is two and a half million a year versus four million a year, like that's a big difference at the running back position in particular. It's not a big difference in the grand scheme of the salary cap, which is like two hundred and fifty million dollars. But for the Bengals, for the running back position, when as Joe says, if they were to free up ten million dollars from the running back position, that is a right tackle. Uh, let's talk about. the what will they do? Let's get some predictions here for for the treatment of joe mixon and Lyle collins collins a bit of a mystery i think to all of us requires some speculation because you don't know how his rehab is going you don't know what the prognosis is on the knee we have heard nothing about that maybe a question for duke tobin uh at the combine in a couple of days here well noted we'll see if we can get that question in there about how he's doing and, and what the expectations are for his recovery but what do you think Joe, let's start with you. I think we we went to Mike recently. How are they going to handle this? Aaron Jones, is that a blueprint for Joe Mixon? There's some differences because they restructured into void years there yeah. in Green Bay, which is a little
3: shocking in and of itself. But Joe, what do you think? Yeah, and I kind of want to wait to see what happens with Zeke Elliott as well, because they could franchise Tony Pollard and, Honestly, right now, it's kind of flipped where the value of a franchise tag on running back, 10-point-something million for Pollard. Okay, he'll do that for one year, but what do you do with Zeke? Kind of kind of a situation to watch as they try to figure that. out. Do they just outright cut him or restructure into a manageable deal? Uh, and that's the thing. I think people say, well, we could just restructure this guy, that guy. You know, only some guys are available to either restructure or kind of almost rewrite their contract. Mixon is a guy that you could say, I mean, when you guys had Andre Perota on, he had a great suggestion, and make it incentive-based. Mixon bet on yourself here. You're still 1,200-yard, 10-touchdown back. Here, you'll make your extra money, and it just won't count against the cap. That's genius. That should this be year. done. It yeah. would next year. Because yes, of the it nature. would, because yeah. likely to be earned, yes. But that's how you do it. And if that can save them a little bit of money and keep them here and they still feel good about Mixon, because he is still good – I'm just not sure he's the best option for this offense, right? I'm just not sure he's exactly what they need to take this offense to the next level. If it was still a run-heavy offense, I'd be fine with Joe Mixon. i actually like Joe Mixon still for the next two years at the value he's at. That's okay. I wouldn't be banging the table to get rid of him or even scouting running backs as much as I am. But uh, I do think something has to be done. You can't just let it go the way it currently is and just roll back out there, even with a drafted guy, and say, uh, we're fine paying Mixon $12 million this season. And then for Lael Collins, I don't think they have to make a decision now. I think you can go no. into free agency. If you say, hey, we want durability and youth for the first time at right tackle because we tried Riley Reeve. He's gotten hurt. We tried Lael Collins. He's gotten hurt. Here's Jawan Taylor, a guy who's played 99.9% of the snaps over the four years. We don't care that he he might be a little overrated or in terms of, you know, that's tier three guys getting paid heavy in free agency. Fine. It is what it is. We're going to pay it and we're going to plug him in at right tackle. We're not going to worry about right tackle anymore at all. If he gets hurt, it'll be, you know, unpredictable at this point because he's been so durable. Things happen. But point is, then you cut Lael Collins. Then you do something with Lael Collins. If you do not find that guy in free agency and you got to go into the draft, fine. Maybe there's a guy in the first round that you think starts right away. Then you figure it out with Collins. If not, even if you're in round two or round three now with a tackle, well, then you may want to keep Collins and see what happens in camp. Maybe it's a pupless situation for six weeks. We don't know yet. But point is, it gives you another option and raises the depth level of the offensive line.
2: I think there's a, a good question there about the, the mix and scheme fit. It's something that I mentioned to Mike that I want to talk about at some point with, with Joe Mixon and the running back position. What would the ideal running back look like for this team if it's not, you know, the superstar? But, like, what are the ingredients? You know, Bijan Robinson is an ideal running back mm-hmm. for a lot of teams, for example. <laughs> yeah. But when you talk about the things that the Bengals need, if it's not the perfect running back prospect, what does that look like? Something that we can talk about at some point in the future, but that's going to conclude part one here of our free agency round table. We're going to get into the tier list a little bit in our next episode, talk a little bit about what we would do if we were the Cincinnati Bengals in the next episode. And in addition to, I'm sure some tangents about players like Samaj Piran or Von Bell or Jermaine Pratt, because that seems to happen organically. So we'll continue this in part two coming your way tomorrow here. And until then, we appreciate you listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. day and have a good one.